You're now listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. A Place of Refuge vision is to cause people to be productive in every aspect of life according to God's Word. For more information, please stop by our website at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Now, here's today's message already in progress. When you consider the word foolish, in one sense, it means to basically do something rash, something impetuous or at the spur of the moment. It's when your behavior is primarily thoughtless. You're saying things without really thinking properly. Yeah. Some of us know about that because uh, we have had to apologize for saying something we had no business saying. Woo! And so sometimes, even as Christians, we can be thoughtless. Spirit-filled, but but to be foolish also has to do with doing something you know better than to do. You ever did something and ask yourself, why in the world did I do that? Or it could be verbal. Why in the world did I say that? You just basically did something foolish. And see, when you enter into a state of foolishness, it says in one sense that you're doing things that befit a fool. You're playing the fool. And we have to be careful about that because when when you play the fool, you, you have to remember that there is a connection between the heart of a fool in reference to how he or she feels about God. Psalm 14 and 1 says, The fool has said, well, in his heart, choices, mindset. That there is no God. I'm not a fool, but when I get in the place of a fool, I'll get to thinking, talking, and acting as if God is not going to do what he promised. If God told you he was going to bless you, he's going to bless you. You just want it now, but hold up. Let him do it on his timetable and not yours because when you question whether he's going to do it or not and it was in the form of a promise that he would like it or not you are playing the fool I have been to the point to where I ask God for something and, and after I ask him 
less than five minutes later, a situation got worse. And then I played the fool like, oh, maybe he didn't hear me. Maybe because it got words he didn't hear you. Hey, yeah, he heard you. He, he done already said in his word. His ears are open to the cries of the righteous or his people. He heard you. And just because the situation got worse does not mean he is not going to do what he promised. He's going to do what he said. You just done found yourself in the place of a fool because you allow what happened to dictate to you how things were going to turn out. I wish I was the only guilty person in the room. Woo, I believe there are some more that are guilty even though y'all looking very innocent right now. And so you have to be careful that you don't play the fool. You don't get to the point to where your thinking, talking, or doing in contrast to what God has promised. Because trouble, trials, and tribulations can make you think that God is not a God of his word. Makes you think Matthew 24 and 35 is not true, which states heaven and earth shall pass, but not God's word. God's word is going to do what he has ordained for it to do. God's word is going to fulfill, accomplish exactly what he sent it to do. And we know Isaiah 55 that, that tells us that when he sends forth his word, it will not return unto him empty. It will not return unto him without fulfilling what, it, what he sent it to do. If he sent his word to heal, it's going to heal. If he sent his word to prosper, it's going to prosper. Whatever he sends his word to do is going to manifest. By a show of hands, how many believe that? But see, we have to believe it not when we're on a good, hot service like tonight. We have to believe it when everything that can go wrong is taking place in our life. We still have to believe that God's word is going to stand despite what's happening in our lives. Because sometimes uh, temptation, trouble, and such can have you looking at your circumstances more so than what God promised. And believing your circumstances more so than what God promised. Some of us have been there. And it's not a good place to be in. But God wanted me to tell you tonight, whenever you find yourself there, you're playing the fool. Because again, according to Psalm 14 and 1, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. See, it's not just a talk thing, it's, it's a choice thing. Choices say that that's what's going on with you. But I want to consider a couple of more passages in reference to foolishness. That... Um, I believe will help us. Let's go to the book of Job, chapter 2. Y'all stay with me tonight. Yeah. 
Job, the, the trouble book, come right before the singing book. Psalm right next door. But consider Job 2, verses 9 and 10. Job was going through a whole lot of trouble, suffering, grief, and just a lot of things going through his mind because so much had happened in a very quick, a swift way. And so just a lot of things going on with him. And um, here in Job 2 and 9, his wife comes. And this is what she said to Job. Do you still hold fast to your integrity? That's the question. Are you, are you still a person of integrity? Now, of course, she then goes on to say before we get the answer from Job, curse God and die. Curse God and die. She knew her husband was a man of integrity. But she wanted him to lose his integrity. And see, trouble in some instances will make folk lose their integrity. Make you lose your faith. Make you lose your trust in God. Make you you makes you lose a number of good qualities. But Job was still hanging on to his integrity despite all that he had went through, even though he was battling big time. But it was obvious his wife did not hang on to her integrity. Notice now, she wondering, you still hanging on to your integrity? And she had lost her integrity based upon what she asked him and what she said. Curse God and die. Talking like a sinner. Talking like an ungodly woman. And based upon Job's character, you know he didn't marry no ungodly woman. No, he didn't marry no ungodly woman. But she just unlaws her integrity because of all this has been going on. Because what Job went through affected her as well. He just didn't lose children. She lost children. She was affected the same way her husband was affected. But instead of her following his example in a time that she needed to, she chose to be foolish. She split the house. House divided shall not stand. She split the house. She clearly let Job know I'm no longer on the same page with you. Curse God and die. I'm not only no longer on the same page with you, I'm fed up with you. I wish you were dead. 
That's the implication of, of the text. So Job said to her in verse 10, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. You speak as one of the foolish women speak. Now what's the implication? He know that look, you ain't acting in character. You're talking like a fool. But he took it further, didn't he? He knew that there were foolish women. And he knew that foolish women were influential. Isn't it amazing, even on TV, you you have uh, certain shows that you know that it's just a whole lot of foolishness that takes place. But you have good Christian women. That look at stuff like that. And believe it or not, it affects you. Well, I just look at it, just see what they do. No, it, it affects you in some way or another, especially if you look at it on a regular basis. You don't, it don't even have to be habitual where you look at it every time it comes on. Just if you look at it maybe every, every two weeks you look at it. It's going to have an effect on you. And see, he knew that, that somebody had had an effect on her to the point to where she had started doing something. He knew that this ain't my wife. This is not the character of my wife. She's talking crazy. She's telling me things that she know are in contrast to God's will. Telling me things she know that are not wise. Things that do not contain any knowledge, any understanding. Simply because she has been hanging around somebody she ain't got no business hanging around. Because see, understand, they have went through the loss of everything and no doubt she was hurting and so forth, but he knew something else going on with you. Say to your neighbor, foolish folks can affect you. That's the reason you can't hang around a fool. You can't listen to fool. When you hear somebody talking foolish, Walk off. If they're in your house, put them out. Don't even wait. Put them out. They're going to tell you your rule while you're walking them to the door. Okay, but go. I'm serious. You, you, have to, you have to guard yourself from fools. Fools will mess you up. Fools have the power to bewitch you. That's the reason Paul said to the Galatian church in Galatians 3 and 1, Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Letting us know that foolish folk can bewitch you. Or you can become foolish, take on their character, Simply by being around them. He, he called the church foolish. 
Why? Because they had been hanging around foolish folk. Let's go further. Y'all all right? Let's go to uh, Proverbs 14. We're just looking at a couple of things in reference to foolish. Like a Bible study tonight. Like it was last night. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Omniscient God. But notice Proverbs 14 and 1. The wise woman builds her house. But the foolish pulls down her house. But notice, with her hands. Her hands is a reference to her authority. Her power. The woman has the authority authority in the house based upon the text and uses that authority the wrong way. Notice you can be foolish but have authority. I better read the text again. Y'all looked at me. Some of y'all did. Look at the text. The wise woman builds her house but the foolish what? With her what? You can be foolish but have authority, have power. But that power, based upon the text, coming from a foolish person will be used the wrong way. Over the auxiliary, but always doing something foolish. Then you have pastors that that over the church, but just do foolish stuff. Head of your household, husband, but just do foolish stuff. And then you have you you have women that I know I know y'all love y'all children, but sometimes you just do foolish things and reference them children. Now he just messed up, but now you're gonna turn around. He done messed it up. You're gonna turn around and give him another one better than the one he messed up. So what you think he gonna do with that? And you just call that foolish. And see, that's the reason he he says that a foolish woman will pull down her house with her hands or her authority. Pull down her house, pull down her family. Just like women are are some of the first ones that, that will accept, will accept a son that decides he wants to be Barbara instead of Barney. Yeah. 
and it's sad, but, but you have to watch yourself to make sure that, that what you're doing, you got that authority. God has given it to you. Uh, someone may have delegated it to you, but whatever authority you have, you have to make sure you don't use your authority in a foolish way. You take like you got pastors that like to micromanage folk. Just use that authority in a just a foolish way. Folk can't even buy no napkins. Why? Without without them saying, "Hey, what you buy them napkin for?" We we did, we ran out of napkins. <laughs> How much them napkin cost? They they cost two dollars. So, well, let me know the next time you get a box of napkins. <laughs> But see, you can't be to the point to where you micromanage just because you have authority. God does not want to strip us of our authority, but he does not want us to be foolish with our authority. Man, I I, I told somebody that when I first uh, started the church, I told them, I said, they asked me, they said, you know what, man? I said, you, how you doing? I said, I'm doing good. I said, uh, uh, how you doing? He said, I'm, I'm doing good. And there was a guy that when I first started the church, he, he was there, but then he left. And we got talking about it, and I said, man, I said, you know what? If I was you, I would have left too at that time. I said, because I was doing some foolish stuff. Pastor. But I was doing some dumb stuff. Yeah. See, you have to be to the point to where you check yourself periodically to make sure you are not getting beyond yourself. You got to make sure your head is still normal. Because some folk who get a little authority, they get what we call the big head. And they want everybody to know that they are in charge. You hear me? And so when, when it comes to the tax, Saul was king of Israel. A very powerful position in that he had been put in leadership by God and the prophet of God to be over, get this, God's chosen people. God's chosen people. People that God had designated to bless beyond measure. God said to to Moses when he designated Israel that he was going to bless them and do this, that, and the other for them. He said, Moses, go tell my children that I'm going to free them from Egypt. And I'm going to take them to a land that's flowing with milk and honey. And so... After a period of time, the Israelites inherited the land. And then they they started setting up and they desired a king. 
And so God and the prophet set up Saul, first king of Israel, first one to rule God's chosen folk. And started off as a person of humility. Isn't it amazing how folk can start out right but end up wrong? <laughs> you ever seen somebody start out right but then end up wrong? That's Saul's story. Started out right. But it ended up wrong. But contextually, Samuel calls what Saul did foolish. He called it foolish. Saul, you done, you done chose to do something foolish. And so you have to understand where Samuel was coming from because all of us are prone to do dumb stuff every now and then. Now, see, look how you're looking now, like you ain't never done no dumb stuff. Let's just sell this before I go any further. How many in here, you ain't done some dumb stuff? Let's just, let's don't go too far back, but in last two years, you done did something that, yeah, that, that was dumb of me. Okay, all right, okay. I got the majority. Some of y'all still don't want to go with me, but that's okay. But he told Saul, you have done foolishly. You have done foolishly because you have not kept the commandment of God. You didn't keep his commandment. You didn't do what God told you to do. See, we have to understand when God puts us in a particular position that we we have to submit ourselves to God. And, and, and understand this, Samuel didn't expect Saul to be flawless. But see, Saul kept doing the same dumb stuff over and over and over and over and over again. I mean, just the same dumb stuff over and over again. But notice how he tells him, he says, if you have not kept the commandment of God. And let, and let him know that, look, you really done mess yourself up. Because God's plans for you, Saul, was that your kingdom, your reign, would be perpetual. It wouldn't cease. He had plans for you, Saul. He, he was going to set you up. Saul, he was going to make sure you, you got the right folks in order to be in the right positions so, so your kingdom could be the way God ordained it to be. He was going to send you accountants if you need them. Send you builders if you need them. Send you folk who with money if you need Whatever you needed, he was going to set you up. He was going to establish your kingdom forever. And I've seen, I've seen pastors do the same thing. I've seen pastors that God has set them up and then God, God unsettled them folk that were just good folk. 
I'm going to send them some good folk and who, well, they ain't got to worry about doing this, that, or the other. I'm going to send them some good folk and send them good folk. And the pastor run the folk off. Y'all better watch your pastors. You can't run off good folk. Don't run off folk that God send you. Now everybody God ain't going to send your way. It's some folk coming just to see what's going on. If some folk come, you need to tell them glad to see you. Uh, and it don't matter if I don't see you again or not. You don't want to be that point blank, but just some folk, you know they mess it. They're about a whole lot of foolishness. But there are some folk God send you. You know God sent this person to the ministry to be a blessing to me. I got folk in here tonight. I'm telling you right now, I know God sent them to me. I'm just going to work with one of them tonight. I know God sent Deacon Oak to be with me. I ain't even no question about it. Now, when, God, when Deacon Oak first came, I had to ask God, dog. <laughs> but see, God did good because God let me see Deacon Oak before, before he became new creature. But when he came, God said, this man right here is going to be an asset to the men. I, Deacon Oak, that, that, Lord, he ain't going to leave Westside. Well, no, Pine Tech. <laughs> Clem, I finally got it right. And so he, he would look around and see what was going on and so forth. But he would constantly come back hearing that word. But see, God had told me, and I never said anything to him about it while he was coming. That God had told me he sent him now to be an asset. And see, I didn't want to mess it up. And, and I had some folk that were hanging around him. I was just like, oh, Lord, protect him because a couple of them folk that's talking to him. They may run him off from the church. Because often, if it's not the pastor running folks off from the church, you got these crazy members that run folk away from the church. Y'all ain't liking me tonight, but I'm just telling you the truth. And, and so as time went on, God showed me and said, look, this is how you're you going to use him right here. You use him to do this right here, and you ain't even going to have to worry about that. Because, see, a pastor needs to be able to put something in somebody's hand so he can move on and do what the Lord would have him do. And, see, the Lord has done that for me with a number of people, including pastors, have, has sent folk my way to, to let me know, look, you ain't going to have to worry about this. You just delegate it and you keep doing what I'm telling you to do. And so that's what God had told Saul. That's what he was going to do for Saul. But see, Saul got to the point to where he was more of a fleshly king instead of a godly king. He was more of a micromanager instead of allowing folk to use the gifting that God had placed in their lives. And so it got to the point to where God 
heart had just got fed up with it. And the one thing I pray for is, Lord, I never want to get to the point to where you get so frustrated with me. That you tell me I'm done with you. God is a gracious God. God is a merciful God. But God will get fed up. Scripture tells us it is a fearful thing. To fall into the hands of a living or an angry God. Who gonna stop him if he decide to do something? Nobody has the power. He's omnipotent. You ain't got it. Ain't a stick that can get to him. It ain't a gun that can hit him. Why? He's omnipotent. He's all powerful. See, he broke the commandment. Let me, let me show you something. Lord help us. Y'all all right? Yeah. Proverbs 13. Thirteen. Proverbs 13, 13. I'm closing. I'm getting ready to close it. Y'all just hold on. Proverbs 13, 13. He who despises the word will be what? But he who feels the commandment will be what? See, com- see keeping God's commandments leads to rewards. You can't live according to the written and revealed word of God and not be rewarded. God will reward you if you live according to his word. He will bless you according to Luke 6 and 38. He will bless you according to Luke 6 and 38 if you live according to his commandment. You will see Good measure blessings, pressed down blessings, shaking together blessings, and running over blessings. If you keep the commandments of God. What is the commandments of God? Again, the written and revealed word of God. That's it. That's what it is. And see, this is what, this is what Samuel was telling Saul. Say, look, God, your, your kingdom would have been established forever. It would have been perpetual. But now you're not going to get the reward simply because you didn't keep the word. See, God would use Samuel to speak a word to Saul. And, and Samuel would speak the word. But see, Saul was the type of person. He only wanted to do some of what his pastor was telling him to do. And see, you have folk in church that think if they do half of what is being proclamated, that they're going to receive the full blessing. No. You reap what you You can't do half and expect you're going to receive all what God is talking about. His rewards were cut off died horribly lived horribly can you imagine a a king over God's people having to have somebody come and play in order for him to have peace that's embarrassing 
That's sad. He said, now going, just being tormented and, and got to have somebody anointed come play. And here he is leading God's folk. That's sad, isn't it? And, and sometimes, pastors, I, I, look at, I look at pastors that's leading God's folk. And I be looking, I say, man, some good folk in that church. But that, that cat, he won't study. He won't seek God's faith. He just, I don't know where he be getting the messages from. All them good folk. And in your mind, I wish that church would just shut down. They would just come to my church or go to some good church. Because you be seeing it be good folk. But the preacher won't even take the time to seek the face of God in order to bless the people of God. Just simply down as a howling to get what he can and can what he can get. And say to your neighbor, that ain't right. Say to another neighbor, that ain't right. That's the reason, pastors, we can never get to the point to where we stop seeking the face of God. We can never get to the point to where we rely on what we know. No, we have got to seek God and don't allow anything to come out of our mouth unless God has ordained it to be so. Because you can easily be get to the point to where you become religious in just teaching what you know out of scripture and, and, and putting a little emotion with it. And some people, they'll be okay with that because they can't discern the real anointing anyway. But people that have the anointing, that are looking, looking to be fed and you coming with mess like that, they're going to starve to death and eventually die. Because they're sitting in a dead church. Woo! We bless preachers. Y'all all right? Let's go back to First uh, Samuel. I'm closing. I'm closing. But I want to look at verse 14 again. Or I want to read it again. Samuel went on to say to Saul, but now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. He let him know who was going to take his place. God going to replace you, Saul, with a person that has a heart that's in compliance to God's word. A person after his own now, see, this is the thing that you, you have to understand because I, I don't want to leave Saul. I, I, wanna, I want what happened to Saul to be imprinted in your mindset. See, the implication here is that Saul had gotten to the point to where his heart had become so tainted to where God didn't see himself in Saul. 
And see, pastors, we can get to the point to where we can become so tainted in our heart that you can be operating as a pastor, but when God looks, he does not see himself in your heart. You get to the point to where your choices are based upon you doing what you can do in order for you to become the big shot. Your choices are becoming what you can do in order for you to be able to do one, two, three, four, five. And God looks at it and says, oh, that's what he wants now. He no longer wants me. So when he looked at Saul, he no longer saw himself. And I never want to get to the point to where God will look at, at Walker and say, Walker, I used to see me in you. I used to see me in you, Walker. I used to see my anointing in you. I used to see my hunger in you. But I don't see it no more, Walker. I see in you now, Walker. You're trying to be like that jack leg down the street that's got a, that's got a church running over with folk. You're trying to be like who you've been listening to on TV now, Walker. Walker, you change so much. One minute you're trying to sound like such and such. The next minute you're trying to sound like such and such. And the next minute you're trying to look like such and such. I don't see me in you no more, Walker. I don't see you in me no more, Walker. And see, it doesn't stop with the pastor. You have to ask yourself... When it comes to the capacity that God has given you in reference to ministry as well as life, ask yourself, does God still see himself in you? See, because Jesus revealed something in Luke 12. I think it's 34. Matter of fact, let's look. I'm going to go there. This is going to be my last scripture. Lord have mercy. Holy Spirit just led me here. I, I'm, I'm, I'm believing this is scripture. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Luke 12, verse 34. Notice this. Uh, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be what? See, God was no longer valuable to Saul. His word was no longer important to him. And see, God needed somebody that had his heart that he could see himself in that still valued him. It's preachers that don't even pray no more. Don't even allow prayer to go on in the church. Don't make sure that sheep are filled with the Holy Spirit anymore. And see, the thing is, your heart is going to be with whatever you value. If you, de- if you desire to be like certain preachers, it's going to be evident. If you desire to be like certain folks you see on television, it's going to be evident. Why? Because where your heart is... That's where your treasure is. We're going to be able to see what you truly value. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise. 
Thank you for listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. Please stop by our website for more information on our church at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Until next time, remember, Jesus came that you might have life and have it more abundantly.